Smoking and Drinking in Space is a proud member of the EarGlue Media Network. Now let's see if we can't figure out what you are, my little friend. And where you come from. I saw part of the message you... I seem to have found it. General Kenobi, years ago you served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I am unable to present my father's request to you in person, but my ship has fallen under attack and I'm afraid my mission to bring you to Alderaan has failed. I have placed information vital to the survival of the Rebellion into the memory systems of the SAR-2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. And welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. And this week, we start the original trilogy that began the rabid fandom, which continues to this day. It's 1977's Star Wars, A New Hope. But first, courtesy of court-ordered community service, we welcome back Jonesy from the Cantina cast. How are you doing, Jonesy? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you having me back, even though you were contractually obligated to have me back. Yeah, not a problem. It's hey, still I, nice for you to ask. <laughs> I really appreciate you coming back and, and talking about this movie with us. He is the gold-plated translator to my rolling trash can. It's Crowley. How are you doing, Crowley? Did you just fucking call me C-3PO, you son of a bitch? Yeah, he did. <laughs> and he's the stormtrooper who's not looking for these particular droids. It's Rob. Rob, how are you doing? Well, at least I'm not the stormtrooper that hit his head on the door. Thank You're you. still a weak-minded <laughs> asshole who's eating Oreos and goddamn muffins while we're podcasting. You have no proof of that, okay? <sighs> I don't know what you're talking about. This is a fucking Jesus consummate Christ. professional there. So, Jonesy, are you glad you're back on this shit show? You know, I was, things were starting to turn back to normal. And then when you reached out and said, hey, let's do this again. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I would love to podcast with Rob again. It'd be fun. <laughs> said nobody no, ever. I was just going to say those words have never been uttered until now. And they were uttered in fucking sarcasm. No, they no. were, they were no. as genuine as butter on a blueberry muffin, which is <laughs> not acceptable. <laughs> Rob, isn't that how you take your blueberry muffin? Like a freak. Uh, now he takes yeah, his blueberry muffin the way his wife gives it to him. My cereal. Oh God. Up. Yes. He pours milk into a bowl and then pours the cereal into the milk. You are a well, fucking, you're a heathen. He's a psychopath. What'd you say, Jonesy? I said, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I was, Rob, man, I was yeah. trying to, I was trying to love you like a brother, but you're going down a path I just can't follow. Yeah. Oh, that oh, was, fuck. That, we that's just that was the last episode. Ah. <laughs> that's what she said. Literally. Let's try. We're, we're doing a new hope, not. You're uh, breaking my heart. Oh my God! Where's no, Freddie Prince fucking Jr.? Where is he? I want to kick him in the nuts right don't fucking now. Start, don't start. I might be dying of a broken heart. I don't know. That's so sad. <laughs> be he, be he the sadness is overwhelming. I might die. <sighs> I just love the the goose frabba kind of like uh, sounds <laughs> that came out of that droid. <laughs> 
I told my wife I was very sad that we we didn't like we adopted our daughter. For those of you who don't know, I was very sad I wasn't going to have a, a, a child of my own, so that during labor I could look look at her and go Gusfraba, Gusfraba, and she said she would have killed me. So maybe <laughs> for the best that didn't happen. I don't know. You guys are weird. Who's ready for I'm a pod crawl? <laughs> Let's do it. Do it. We can call it, I don't know, say a pod crawl. The pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Excellent. Insert it deep. Pod crawl. Kind of like a space suppository full of information. The opening wall of text tells us that galactic civil war is raging and the rebels have finally gotten their shit together enough to score a victory over the Empire. They've managed to steal the plans to a super weapon and are trying to get it back to base to get it analyzed, but the ship that's carrying it has just been captured by none other than Vader himself. However, a plot twist ensues as it's his daughter, Leia, who is on the ship trying to smuggle the plans under the guise of a diplomatic mission. But since Vader has been an absentee dad for the last 19 years, and Leia doesn't know Vader is her dad yet, there's no teary family reunion or awkwardness when Vader later tortures Leia for information. Before her capture, Leia entrusted the plans and a plea for help to Obi-Wan, yes, that same Obi-Wan, to R2 and launched both R2 and 3PO down to Tatooine in an escape pod. R2 and 3PO have a difference of opinion on which way to go, but end up in the same Jawa land cruiser with restraining bolts in the end. The Jawas make a stop by the Lars farm where Luke, Vader's other abandoned kid, and Owen, by R2 and 3PO, Owen, ever the taskmaster, has Luke take them to the garage and clean them up. R2 shows a teaser trailer of Leia's plea and promises Luke the full bootleg if he will remove the restraining bolt. However, since R2 is a dick, he conveniently forgets and then runs away. The next morning, Luke and 3PO take the speeder and search for the runaway, finding him on his way to Obi-Wan. But they get jumped by a group of sand people, probably in revenge for the unspeakable things his dad did to them a while back. Just in the nick of time, Obi-Wan shows up and rescues the three after scaring away the raiders from Tuscany. He takes them back to his place and shares with Luke a very revisionist history of the Clone Wars and Anakin's exploits as well as a less-than-honest origin story for Vader. He hands over Anakin's lightsaber that he stole after removing several limbs and lets Luke swing it around for good measure. <laughs> R2 finally coughs up Leia's message and Obi-Wan tries to get Luke to come with him to save the princess, but Luke says nah, and agrees to take him to a nearby town. Along the way they find a burned-out Jawa land cruiser and a burned-out Lars farm, and conveniently severs all ties Luke has to Tatooine, so he agrees to join Obi-Wan and they head to Mos Eisley. At the local bar, Obi-Wan relives the glory days by cutting off yet another limb, and he secures them passage to Alderaan with Han Solo on the Millennium Falcon. Along the way, Obi-Wan teaches Luke how to fight laser-shooting training orbs blindfolded. When the group arrives at Alderaan, they find a bunch of rubble instead, along with the mechanical moon that created the rubble by blowing up the planet. The Falcon gets caught in a tractor beam and they are hauled aboard the Death Star, which is neither a star nor that deadly. Except for that one time. They throw off the scent when they are boarded by hiding in the smuggling holds and sneak out to the docking bay control center to regroup and make a plan. Obi-Wan heads out alone to disable the tractor beam so they can escape, and R2 hacks the planet to find out that yes, the princess is indeed in this castle. Getting bored, Han, Chewie and Luke head out to save the princess while 3PO and R2 stay behind to watch the Falcon. The plan gets them to the holding cells, but breaks down when they have to actually interact with people, so they just shoot everything and then break her out of prison. Then they shoot some more and jump into a garbage chute. Then they shoot some more and then the garbage chute tries to crush them. 
Unfortunately, 3PO is smart enough now to get him and R2 out of a jam in the control room and they open up the garbage room so the Fab Four can escape. Escape is fleeting though, as they are surrounded by stormtroopers that chase them up and down halls, across bridgeless expanses, and to the hangar where the Falcon sits. During this time, Obi-Wan was stealthily sneaking around looking for a large group of enemies to jump in the middle of to start a fight, but didn't see anything that fit the mood, so he disabled some power things instead. On his way back to the ship he runs across Vader in a pretty awkward moment. A fight breaks out and we learn that Obi-Wan has forgotten much of his Jedi training, as he doesn't have his ass handed to him, he doesn't lose his lightsaber, and he doesn't fall off of a platform. Instead, he sacrifices himself in front of Luke, becoming one with the Force, just before Vader strikes him down. Luke, Leia, Han and Chewie take off in the Falcon, fighting off four TIE fighters, and head to Yavin. However, just before they left, Vader threw a Spidey tracker on their ship, and the Death Star follows them to the secret rebel base that's no longer really secret. The Death Star comes into orbit around Yavin and will be in view of the moon housing the rebel base in half an hour to blow it up, so the rebels come up with a plan to shoot a couple of Roman candles up its ass and light it on fire. The rebels send a handful of fighters out to the Death Star and start running up and down its crack before the Death Star's commander, Tarkin, decides to send fighters out. Vader, never one for delegating, also heads out to personally take charge and also have a plausible way to make it to the sequel if there is one. Lots of rebel fighters bite it flying straight and level, but it's a young farm boy from Tatooine, with the help of a money-grubbing merc and a walking carpet, who saves the day after listening to the voices in his head, turning off his targeting computer, and shoving two missiles up the Death Star's ass. The three remaining fighters and the Falcon head back to the rebel base, Luke shows about the same amount of concern for a blown-up R2 as someone would with a burned-out garbage disposal, and roll big awards ceremony where Leia gives Luke and Han a medal, but not Chewie, because fuck that guy, credits. <laughs> so this is not what I watched. Is it not? What did you watch? Well, mine had Jen Erso in it and uh, a murderous droid. I fucking and- hate Rob. I thought, can we, Rob, can we, can we, we fire told him you somebody else? many, many episodes ago that we were not doing either Rogue One or Solo. We were just what? doing the Skywalker saga movies. But there are two Skywalkers in Rogue One. Barely. I hate you. I fucking hate you. I do. With, with every fiber in my being. I want, you, I want you to choke on a blueberry. It's too late. I ate it during the podcast. Would you like him excellent. to choke on his aspirations? <laughs> Actually, I thought you know there for a minute. I thought we were listening to a like a a, a porn novel or something about them rubbing up and down the crack and shooting Roman candles in a hole. All right, so let's get this uh, episode started. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> off to a grand start. One of the just most like always. Yeah, one of the most classic <laughs> movies ever, and we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's enough. <laughs> Normal. You've Jason, been on the show. Take before. us away, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> so we could uh, we could break down this movie scene by scene, but that's not what we're doing with the Skywalker saga. Um, no, we're like listening to Crowley bitch and moan about Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince right. Jr. Right. Yep. Yeah, but these are the ones yeah. he likes, so it's all yeah. positive all the time. Here we go. Uh, sure he's we still going to bring Freddie Prince Jr. into it somehow. Um, so Jonesy, you've probably covered this many, many times over on the Cantina Cast. Uh, but I'd like to get your overall general opinion on where you think this movie fits in the entire Skywalker saga. Do you like this better than most, not as good as most? Where does this fit on your on your scale? 
this is one of those that you look at a movie like Empire, which most people would rank at the top of their list, but this is the one that got it started, right? So this is the one that you have the most impact on you because all these new things were introduced to you just from the opening shot of the 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 Tanti Four and then the Star Destroyer coming over. Just you're just instantly blown away. The music, the score, the the sound effects, the visual effects. It's just overwhelming. I couldn't like I wasn't born when this movie came out, but I could just imagine sitting in the theater for the first time, knowing what all the other movies that came out before it, and then for this to be shown had to have just blown people back in their seats. I mean, clearly it did because it just created a phenomenon without, you know, with, with no kind of preamble to this. So I, to me, this is a, I, I like this in Jedi, a return of the Jedi to be more specific about the same for different, very different reasons. Uh, Jedi was the very first Star Wars movie I saw, uh, but a little bit different reasons, but this was probably just a, a tick higher than that, but just for the, the sheer scale of it, the sheer ambition of it. And if you've read any of the, making of books, which I strongly recommend from J.D. Rensler, you got a really new appreciation for what it took to make these first two original trilogy films in particular, and just all of the setbacks they had and all the things that went into it. It really gives you a completely different appreciation for what George Lucas and a number of other people that don't always get enough credit, including his his wife at the time, uh, for, for really making this movie the unabashed success it has been and has been endearing for us for 40 plus years now. Yeah, this is towards the top as well. In fact, I, I probably like this. This is probably my favorite movie. Um, this is the second Star Wars movie I saw. I saw the, trying to think which one I saw first. I think I saw Return Does of Wikipedia the Jedi Does Wikipedia have this information? Too. Huh? No. Oh, okay. No, it doesn't. It does, so it doesn't hold all knowledge, just no. most knowledge. Just most knowledge. Okay, got it. Um, so yeah, I think I, I saw Jedi or Return of the Jedi first, and then we rented this one and Empire after after I saw that. So even though Return of the Jedi probably is is still pretty pretty special since it's the first one that I saw, this one I think I like better after seeing all of them multiple times, um, just for just for the original story and the the groundbreaking effects that it, it did. I, I, I think the story on this one is probably the tightest story out of the entire saga. Crowley, what do you think? That's probably true. What do you think? Oh, I'm sorry. You two are being all serious. So I was just gonna let you guys be serious. (laughs) I'm just here to punch down on movies and there's nothing to punch down on, on for, for this one. So uh, why am I here? I, I've, been asking that since you joined four episodes ago. <laughs> right. Well, James is off running after Christina Hendricks. So this is what you're so stuck with. So it's a perfect movie. Explosions in space and all. <laughs> yeah, I really like this movie a lot. Um, <laughs> for me, this is this is probably my second favorite movie. This is the one that started it all, obviously, um, that, that kind of launched the fandom. When you, when you take a look back... And you see just how massive this movie was. And when I mean that, uh, just how popular it was with people waiting in line. And it was this word of mouth before uh, the internet, before, you know, this mad, we're inundated with this bullshit all the time now. Uh, then you weren't. And so a movie to have that kind of uh, impact 
I mean, it's got to be pretty good, right? And I think this movie is is extremely good. Uh, I, there's really not a lot to punch down on. There are some things that don't hold up, and there are some things that were added that I don't like. And I'm sure we'll get to that. Yep. But this is this is my second favorite movie with with Empire being my first. Um, I mean, when you when you talk about what Star Wars is, it's these two movies, and everything else is probably bullshit. George Lucas, you dumb son of a bitch. There it is. There it is. All right, I Rob. said George Lucas, not Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah, but, you, but you've equally conflated were, those, especially on yeah. the last episode. You said if either one or if both of them were there in the same in room, room together, I would you would, I would double kick, kick them, in them in the nuts. So yes, yes. absolutely, one hundred percent. Flying because, drop and, kick and you know what? onto your and, back. And if you can't watch uh, episode three or episode four and episode five, and then watch the other ones and have the same reaction, there's something wrong with you because. As objectively good as these are, the prequels are that objectively bad. Rob, what are your thoughts? Um, so I didn't watch this when it came out. Um, I didn't watch Jedi when it came out because uh, I'm that young. Uh, so I saw all three of them uh, on video. Um, I think I think my dad bought them on uh, VHS, uh, the originals, and said, here, you need to watch these things. So we watched them, and I liked them. I, I thought this one was was good. Uh, you know, it was, it was lasers, um, and it was space, and I'm a sucker for space and all that. So, you know, I, I thought it was good. And, I mean, just to just – to, it – all three of these had an impact on me. Uh, you know, I used to, <laughs> I used to pretend that my hand was robotic like Luke's. You know, so, you know, just goofing off as a kid. You know, I'd I'd wear the one glove on my hand because I had to cover up the robot stuff. You know, it. You know, how much was stupid. wearing the one glove on your hand Luke inspired or Michael Jackson inspired? No, it, it was all. It was all Luke because it was a black glove. It was not glittered like Michael Jackson. I did that for Halloween. <laughs> See, I think you guys are I think you guys are burying the lead here. How much of you wearing the glove was Michael Jackson inspired, Luke inspired, or porn inspired? This was before I was uh, introduced to the gloriousness that is the internet and porn. Um, Continue, now, Rob. Yeah. So if I had to put this in numbers. Um, I would say this would be number two. Um, uh, I think episode eight is my favorite. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> I fucking hate you. I really do. Out of Crowley, all the people on, on all the does planets like and all the galaxy, I fucking hate you so much, Rob. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, uh, Empire is my favorite. Um, just because... Because you already knew the characters, and and so it kind of it hits the ground running, uh, more so than New Hope. Um, you know, New Hope it kind of hit the ground running with the space battle, but then it was quickly over, and uh, and they moved on. Uh, this one, it was what the first. Well, I mean, most of it all happened on Hoth, so it was it was a big old battle, and I kind of like I really like that and the and that kind of stuff. Uh, New Hope would be number two. New Hope would be my my second favorite. All right. Um, so we've gotten pretty much a consensus that New Hope is, you know, either number one or number two for most everybody. Let's yes. talk about the extended 
or the enhanced version that George Lucas released in 1997. Uh, It was a theatrical release. They added, they cleaned up the film stock. They added some extra CGI effects uh, to a lot of scenes. They added about five minutes worth of extra scenes to this one. You think it helped the movie or do you think it kind of was to the movie's detriment? Jonesy? Definitely the detriment. I mean, this is a, well, well, I take that back. For what they did to clean it up and to present it theatrically and, and to have it more modern for the time for 1997, right? Of, of that coming out, those were really necessary because the original film quality was degrading physically, the the originals, and they needed to do something with it to digitize it and all that. And it was really necessary for them to do all that. Now, all of the enhancements that they made, there was only one I really had a huge problem with at the time. And so just to recap, many of them were the entry scenes into Moss Eisley. And then, of course, we had a major scene with they finished the Jabba the Hutt character. They had the actor. It already had been recorded, and it was a deleted scene with Han in the hangar. We got to see Boba Fett. They decided to finish that, that scene, right, with the Jabba. And it just, it doesn't hang, it doesn't, man, it didn't work then. It still doesn't work now. Mm-hmm. It's awkward. Him stepping on the tail doesn't work. It's not the funny moment. I think they were hoping to insert in the scene. There's so much charm in the whole interaction of the Moss Eisley scene with, with Han Solo in particular and the naivete of Luke that you don't need that scene. And I strongly believe the only they did it for two reasons. One, that they could prove how CGI technology was working. And then two, to get Boba Fett in the movie. Right. And I, I don't like either one of those reasonings just to have a, have a scene. And quite honestly, it doesn't really fit the narrative all that well. And that was pretty disappointing that they felt necessary to do that and completely disrupt the flow of the movie for just a few minutes. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't it doesn't flow at all. It doesn't add anything to the movie. I mean, we've got the same information a scene before as to why he was exactly running away from Tatooine and trying to get money and that he was in deep debt to Jabba the Hutt and Jabba the Hutt had sent bounty hunters out to him. We didn't need that scene at all. It was exp- it was superfluous and it didn't look that good and it really did kind of drag you out of the movie. But I will say this, and I'd like to get everyone's opinion that may have seen this. Who all saw this theatrically when this was released? Because that was a a very special treat to be able to see it in the theaters because I had never seen A New Hope in a theater. And I went to Austin because they had a THX certified theater. It was one of the few in the Central Texas area at the time, which was just fantastic to do. Did anybody of you, did any of you get to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that's where I saw it. Yep. It I saw it in the there. theater like that. Yep. I saw it in the theater, Crowley. Uh, what? Yeah, yeah, I did. Sorry. Our <laughs> <laughs> Crowley's checked out. Are you? Are we boring you? Today, it's, the part of yeah. Rob will be played by Crowley. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> Ferdy Prince Junior. Fuckity, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> there. How's that? Was that good? So, it Crowley, what do you think of the extended scenes? I didn't mind them all that much. Um, I thought the Jabba scene. Like, eh, whatever. I mean, it was great at the time. Oh, look, they put this in there. They put this over a guy that was there before. Oh, look, they made Han Solo go up. At the time, yeah, you're all excited about it. But looking back, you're like, eh, eh, whatever. I think a lot of it's distracting. I think it's just George Lucas again. Like I said in the last episode, getting in George Lucas's head. I'm George motherfucking Lucas, and I can do whatever the fuck I want. Uh, he and says I think that in a mirror in the bathroom. Every morning, yeah. By the yeah, way, Jonesy. We, we, yeah. Um, I, I just, I don't, I think it was as much 
trying to digitize the movies as it was George Lucas being George fucking Lucas. And that's not a good thing. Well, he um, had no, there was no one willing to tell him no to anything in the prequel. I mean, Rick McCallum was front and center in this time and just seemed like a yes man. And he was front and center for the, uh, these re-releases as well. And I, I, I agree with this. It's a, a time where Lucas was able to do what he wanted because he had zero challenges to it. And there was no pushback, at least no real pushback to doing any of the things that he had in his head that he thought that they could do rather than what they should do. Yeah. And I think the pushback is probably what made a new hope as good a movie as it did, because this is, we've, we've talked about this. The prequels were written and directed by George Lucas but they are so much worse than A New Hope, which was also written and directed by George Lucas. Now, Lucas did have some, some help with some of the final revisions on, on the script, but over and, uh, overall, he was the one that wrote this. Now, he did go through four different revisions on this script because of pushback by the studios, and uh, he actually you know, reached out to other fellow writers and creative types to to give him critique on, on what was going on. And I think he took that critique to heart. And I think that's what made this as good a movie as, as it is because George Lucas doing George Lucas is not very good, but George Lucas doing George Lucas, taking criticism and, and creative feedback and revising the shit that he does is, is a much better George Lucas. And by all accounts, his, his wife in the editing room, really saved the final cut of this movie. Really? Uh, yeah, it's not super clear what all she did, but apparently she was a bit of a whiz with editing as well, and, and they restructured some of the scenes, and it, it really made a huge positive impact, because I think right up until the deadline, there was still a lot of uncertainty about whether or not it was truly ready. I mean, they knew it wasn't finished, right? It wasn't ever going to be quite finished, but supposedly, yeah, her influence at the very end was entirely necessary to get us the product that we enjoy now. Well, good on her because maybe she should have done the, uh, the prequels. Did they, as well. get, did they get divorced uh, yeah, before later. the uh, prequels? Yes. <laughs> Obviously. <Okay>. Fuck her. <laughs> oh, that's not her fault. Terrible, man. No, she should have stuck around. <laughs> that's not her fault. She wasn't around for okay. the prequels. All right, fine. Whatever. There were a few weird things, um, even with the cleaned up. Color correction was awful. Yeah, the color correction. When he was doing the the droid training or the, the training droid scene, uh, his lightsaber looked green, which kind of threw me off for a little bit because I was like, where did he get the green lightsaber? That was... Uh, right. Engines turned from red to pink. Lightsaber. <laughs> right. Vader's right. lightsaber especially for the Blu-ray copy that came out several years later. Man, the color correction was absolutely abysmal. The the lighting, there's been fan edits that have gone and cleaned this movie up considerably better than what they did for the Blu-ray edition. And it's really quite a stark difference and quite impressive that people can do this at home better than what people making tons of money doing or generating lots of money at least can with this. I mean, but yeah, R2 was black looking in some scenes, not blue and... Yeah, it was just a mess. Yeah, I, that shocks me that the Blu-ray is that bad because I still just have the like first edition DVD copies that that I watch. Um, I haven't invested in 
yet another copy of, of these films. I've had them on video cassette like twice and then Blu-ray. So I'm not going to spend yet another, you know, hundred, hundred and fifty dollars to get all these on, on another media. Um, so I still have the, the original DVDs, but the, yeah, the color correction on this movie was, was not good in, in some scenes. That being said, I mean, it, it still looked a lot cleaner than what I remember in the past, uh, especially on the, on the video cassette tapes. Yeah. And they fixed some of the audio problems too. They had panning problems and things like that. So they, I mean, I don't, and I want to discount that there was a lot of cleanup work and that's where a lot of the budget went. A lot of the time and effort was to just make this thing presentable again and make it look good and well, relatively modern, if you will, at least from a, a film presentation perspective. So I want to get into how well this fits in with the prequels. They introduced most of these characters in the prequels. Um, we've, we've seen Anakin slash Darth Vader. We've seen Obi-Wan. Uh, later, we'll have seen Yoda. Some of the, so like Obi-Wan, oh, R2, C-3PO, we've already been to introduce those in the prequels. Obi-Wan comes across R2, and, you know, if you look at this movie as the first, you understand why Obi-Wan may not remember R2, but Obi-Wan had a long history with R2 in the prequels. Is Obi-Wan just getting a little senile in his old age? Or have we just established that Obi-Wan doesn't really like to tell the truth? That's true. He he did give kind of a revisionist history on on he and Anakin's past as well as as the rise of Vader. I don't but well, I, I don't see this as a reflection of anything in this movie. I don't see it as a reflection of anything in the the original trilogy. What I see these inconsistencies as is what everybody else should see them as and that's shitty storytelling on the part of George Lucas in the prequels. End of story. Period. Just because episodes one, two, and three came out and fucking absolutely rewrote half of what was was supposed to have been. And then it doesn't quite sync up to what Obi-Wan is saying. Like, you can't look at it and go, oh, well, this this just kind of takes me out of the immersion for episode four, five, and six. I just, I, I just that, you know, it ruins it for me. Here's the solution to that problem do what the rest of us do and pretend that the prequels don't fucking exist because they're trash fucking movies. Problem solved. Yeah. You're welcome. I mean, you could enjoy do that. the original trilogy. You could do that. And I do. Um, I'm just saying what could they have done in the prequels to have handled this better? So they needed to wipe Obi-Wan's mind, not have George <laughs> Lucas write them. Right. Okay. Both answers. Um, no, both are the best answers. The best answers. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying they they've they developed the story for the prequels. They knew what happened in four, five, and six, but they still made Qui Gon Obi Wan's teacher. But in this movie, he says that Yoda taught him. Where what possessed them to introduce Qui Gon as as Obi Wan's master instead of Yoda? Uh, because Money. they didn't want to have to use the Yoda puppet the entire time. That Yoda puppet God. was awful. 
That yeah. was the best thing that ever happened with the re-releases of the prequels was to replace that damn puppet. Yes, that's you're about to say the best thing that ever happened to those was that. It's puppet. like the, I'm like, what the hell? That is the best thing to happen with the re-release of the prequels. <laughs> yeah, for the re-release, yeah, was to yeah. Just replace the puppet. I thought you liked that puppet, the puppet. I was that puppet say, was terrible. God, it was off. It was creepy as all shit too. Yeah, that puppet was was bad. But so Jonesy, I'll I'll pose this question to you. How do you reconcile the Obi-Wan saying that Yoda was his teacher in A New Hope, but it was actually Qui-Gon? Well, it, yeah. And this is where if you look beyond the movies, you have the answer pretty easily, but not everybody, most people don't look beyond the movies. But and Yoda likeness. was, yeah, so Yoda was Obi-Wan's teacher as a as a student or as a, as a child, right? Yoda is basically, kind of like what we saw with the younglings in episode oh. two. So he's all, yeah. And so he was, Yoda kind of trains all the younglings from a certain age up to a, until they become a Padawan or something along those lines. So I think that's where you could draw on that. And I guess, I mean, you could always say that Yoda was his master, even when he was on the council, you could look at it from that perspective. He was always giving counsel and giving advice and steering and giving direction. So it, it it's a point of view, right? But I didn't, I didn't mind Qui-Gon getting introduced because he ended up being a good character and, and practically they couldn't afford to do this in any kind of real way and have them have a lot of screen time because there's really only much, so much you're going to do with a puppet. And they have, if they had the CGI, it would have been a little bit different story, you know, potentially. But again, but to kind of back to your original point of why do we, <laughs> getting these things to match up, this, this is the really hard part when you have to go develop three movies. This is why I don't like going back in time and doing a, a new series because this is the these are the problems you introduce. And then you have people like Albert and myself on our show where we go through and, want to, we have to dissect and, and, and fill the gaps and draw the connections that may or may not actually be there and speculate as to what all of these things are. Now that could be terrible fun, right? And I think that's what we all like about Star Wars in general is and when we were younger, we'd be around a table or as we got a little older around a bar and be able to debate you know, all these different things because we didn't know all the answers. And that's the, the risky run of starting to provide all of the answers. And I think that's one of the things that the prequels really, really turned some people off on is how you would explain all of these things. And all it does is, I mean, uh, what was it? Rogue One did the same kind of thing, right? The very end of Rogue One. And how does that tie directly into A New Hope is an entirely different, you know, problem that was created that some people are able to reconcile pretty quickly. And other people have a really deep rooted problem with because it's so inconsistent on the surface with what they actually say dialogue wise in A New Hope. But so there's a disconnect there and that's the risk you run. And that's, that's a huge criticism of the, of the prequels. And I think it's pretty fair. Crowley. I already told you how I reconcile it. I don't watch the fucking prequels, man. Like they're just terrible. They're objectively bad. And the fact that like, it's not hard to just go back and be like, okay, so Yoda was his teacher. Let's just make Yoda his teacher. Cause that's what he says. Yoda's his teacher. Instead we get Qui-Gon Jinn. Like, I don't mind the character. That's fine. But fuck me. How hard is it to be like, yeah, you're the fucking Padawan of Yoda. You're not the fucking Padawan of Qui-Gon. Somebody at some point, there's always a continuity guy, had to look at Lucas and go, you know, Yoda's his teacher, right? Not not Lucas was the continuity guy. What are you talking about? Yeah, if and that's if that was writer, it, then that's director, a problem. Producer, well, it sounds like again, Gaff Man. It's just um, terrible. Water it's just Boy. terrible story writing. Uh, like this movie for me 
shines a light on everything that is bad about the prequels. Like it magnifies everything that is bad about the prequels by a hundred. It, it just does because these prequels are, are, are that bad because these movies are so good starting with this one and it sets the story and it tells you the story. Like it's not revisionist history that he's given him. Revisionist history is the bullshit that George Lucas put out. Like, I just feel like Lucas, and this was this was always a thing with these with these with the original trilogy, is that Lucas didn't really know what direction he was going to go, which is why he had brother and sister making out in five. Yeah, he right. didn't know they were brother and sister. Like he didn't know. Like Hell, he it, didn't like, even know Vader was father until right. And then like right why before is, they filmed it. And why and is Yoda in five didn't. telling telling uh, Obi Wan? Oh, no, there's there's another one. Luke's not the only help. There's another one. Obi Wan fucking knows this. Yeah. It makes zero sense. It's Lucas getting in Lucas's head. And again, these movies are so objectively good that it just shows how objectively bad the prequels are. So you can't look at the prequels. You can't look at the first three episodes, one, two, and three as having anything to do with episodes four, five, and six. Because if you do, you're like, what the fuck? There's so many inconsistencies here. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, it just doesn't. It's just, it's dumb. Uh, and so when people say that that the prequels ruined Star Wars, like <laughs> they're not really all that far off. Because when you look at how good these first three movies were, fucking the prequels just, it's like a fucking clown wrote it. Um, if Luke hates the Empire so much, why was he going to go join the Academy to fly for them? To get out. Yeah, never underestimate what someone's willing to do just to get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking lesser of two evils because you know sand it's it's harsh oh, and God. it gets everywhere. So he was trying to get out, and that is the you know at the time that's it. I mean it, it's it's you're a you're a moisture farmer, or you go to the empire and you do something there, right? Because I mean that's the government, so you get out. I don't want a moisture farm, and I can't do really much anything else. I, I live on a backwater planet. Um, you know, I guess I could turn tricks on the side, but, again, get out, right? So that's the way he does it. And, uh, you know, and he meets his buddy, um, th and that's one thing um, that I did like about the added scenes or whatever. Um, uh, you know, when, when his wingman dies during the the battle bigs bigs yeah so when bigs dies he you know you see that kind of grimace that that uh, he's like oh well okay but who the hell is bigs in the original you don't you don't know right they don't ever talk about it you don't ever see it they added some scenes in there where he comes up hey buddy pal i haven't seen you in a while how's it been i wanted to come do what you're doing type of deal you know, hey, no, the odds? He and then he references Biggs to his uncle and aunt whenever he's talking about he, going to the yes, academy. but that's all you, yeah, but that's all you see or that's all you hear of him in the it's original. Pretty, that's all you ever heard of him. Yeah, it's a pretty passing, quick reference. Right, but yeah, right. So, 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 and then all of a sudden, Biggs is his wingman, and he kind of dies. And that, but there was no he didn't kind of die. Uh, he dies. Well, a kind of died, but I mean, there was kind he of did, some Rob. emotion. Yeah, there was there was some emotion there, but you're kind of like, uh, why? You know, he knew him, 
but you don't know that they're like real best friends and everything like that until you see. Yeah, uh, but he until treated they R2. Added to him. Like, look at how he treated R2. Oh my God, R2's, R2's dead. Can you fix him? Okay, I'm going to go party with my friends now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they said they would take good care of him, and so I mean, his mom died of a goddamn broken heart, and he can't even fucking take three minutes to fucking mourn the loss of this little droid. He no, learned that. Well, he, we he picks that up from together. his Let's father's side. Okay? R two's a dick. It only took like thirty anyway. seconds to mourn the barbecue of his aunt and uncle. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of established character. Yeah. Here. I think I think he was more pissed that he wasn't invited to the barbecue. Oh, that's fucking dark, dude. Yeah, you started it. Besides, R 2s a dick. So, yeah. what was R two so, a dick? Take that. R two is the greatest Wait, character so this, in R2's Star Wars a history. Dick. He shoved fucking C three PO off R2 of a fucking, a fucking platform and changed my mind. What? R two is a force user. Changed my mind. Mm. R two is the force. Hmm. That's a stretch. So, all right. So we did talk he's about made up this. entirely of midichlorians. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this last episode. Um, everybody's saying, or many people, I shouldn't say everybody. Many people say that the star Wars movies were made for kids, but after watching the original trilogy as many times as I have, and just recently rewatching it, I don't see where a new hope and, Empire Strikes Back in particular are created for kids. You could say that you could make the argument that Return of the Jedi has some kid friendly elements in it that they probably intentionally put in there. But for these first two, the story is more adult oriented, especially in Empire. It's a much darker, more adult oriented story. And while there are some lighthearted elements and, you know, kids can can really attach the adventure portion of this movie i don't think it was created for kids not only that but c-3po he becomes more of a comedic factor in the later episodes but in this movie in particular c-3po while he's still kind of a, a whiny little bitch he is kind of clever and he does play an important role in this movie uh he gets himself and r2 out of a jam by you know faking that they were put in the coat closet when the stormtroopers come up and he's in integral in several places for getting them out of a jam. So what yeah, I, what what are your thoughts on are these movies created for kids? Crowley can't say it because we already heard it, and I don't want to hear. No, I, I think you're, I, I think you're onto something. I mean, when you when you start talking about some of the themes uh, that this that this movie deals with, uh, you know, what is good and evil. Like, is it really black and white? You start dealing with, like, the themes of death, like Aunt Beru and fucking Uncle Owen are crispy critters. You're right. Like, this isn't – it's not kids' movies. Like, we discussed it uh, in the last episode. These may, these were made for adults with kids in mind. I think – and a lot of sci-fi is that way. Sci-fi – a lot of sci-fi is almost horror, right? With so, a lot of the some themes of it, yeah. Now, so, some of it is done in a very campy way. That is obviously geared towards children. This is not done in a campy way. I mean, it's just not. I mean, when you look at who's the guy who played, and why am I blanking on this? The guy who played Obi Wan, uh, Sir Alec, Alec Guinness. Guinness. Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness. Sir Alec Guinness. He didn't want to keep doing it, right? He was just like, why am I here? The reason for that is, is he was a serious actor. He didn't want to be a part of this. Why? Because they were taking it seriously. It wasn't campy. It, it just wasn't. So I, 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 I agree 
now that I've had a little bit of time to think on what you were saying, I anyone who says that this these were kids' movies, I, I immediately now reject everything that you say. Jonesy? Yeah, I think when we try to equate this to a six-year-old kid movie, absolutely agree because it's not, these scenes are more adult. This is what made it so entertaining was that it was in a time where these types of movies were campy and they were more or less a joke and, and seemed low budget. We had this really epic film that took itself a little bit seriously, even though they had some pretty ridiculous things they were talking about and still somehow made it seem like it was somewhat plausible of all things and that it could be real and it spurred your imagination. But to say that it was for a six-year-old kid, absolutely not. Now, 10, 11, 12-year-old, yeah, you, you probably have an argument because there are themes that they would understand and start to really enjoy that type of thing, especially as, as my daughter's starting to get to that age range, I could see those connections being made more acutely. But yeah, the, the swinging saying that it's a, you know, when we get to Ewoks or we get to Jar Jar Binks or things like that, of saying that's the core of Star Wars, yeah, I have a bit of a problem with that too because I think it captures the spirit of being youthful, especially for adults, but it's not necessarily directed. It's not like Saturday morning cartoon entertainment for a child though either. So yeah, from that respect, it's, yeah, there's really no disagreement that I think you can come up with that says that, no, this is, this is for a six-year-old or seven-year-old. It's, it's perfect for them. And clearly, I don't know, there's not many six or seven-year-olds today that would sit through it. <laughs> right. Rob? Uh, samesies. Samesies. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> I can cook, good doctor. Well, you know, that, that's that's the easiest thing. I mean, you guys all said, this is, yeah, yeah. Adult movie with kids in mind to an extent. Gotcha. Learning about incest. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's later on. That's the next movie. That's the next movie. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's Uncle the Owen. comes in right there. Is he a Taskmaster? Discuss. Uh, 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 first off, why why is he Uncle Owen? The fucker got the kid when he yeah, was a yeah. newborn. Just call him your own and nobody will know. Yeah, right there was now, no reason Luke, for that. Luke doesn't than... need to know. Luke doesn't need to know that his for for this for this movie and this is this is the how do you fix the continuity? This movie it makes it sound like he had a mom and dad that he grew up with maybe till he was 2, maybe 3 years old, right? And then was he abandoned had, on a planet. And then abandoned on a planet and right. he do, doesn't what? know who his parents are and right. now he and never uh, mentions his mother until return of the jedi <laughs> right right yeah so Ray? yeah what? Okay, we are not playing ray <laughs> shut the fuck up oh uh, no but ray? but it's like you know two or three ray? years old something uh, you know something happens right or his dad died in the clone wars um or after the clone wars but his mom was still alive no no, yeah. we, we, we fucked that up by saying, oh, mom died of a broken heart at childbirth. <laughs> um, you go live with your uncles. Not, you know, at that point in time, if I got a kid or if I got a baby at that point in time, even if, you know, related or not related, you know, adopting, not adopting, it's mine. I'm not well, going not only to, that, I'm but- not gonna throw the kid through a bunch of shit of, oh, well, in truth... Right. Well, I think when died. you come, when, like when you hurt. get to be a little bit older, like that's when you learn the truth, right? Like, right. yeah, I'm I'm Uncle Owen, and this is Aunt Beru, but that's not what he called. Like he called, like he would be calling the mom and dad. Right. That's what yeah. he would be calling them instead of yes. Uncle Owen in Aunt Beru. So the way they set it up was like he was 
given to them later on. And instead yes. we find out it was given to them at birth. Yeah, like again. he was in a foster home or something like Yeti that. Yeti story writing by, by, by George yeah. Lucas once again. However, uh, the question was, is uh, Uncle Owen a taskmaster? No, I think Uncle Owen uh, is afraid, even with the shitty story writing that is the prequels, that Luke is going to turn out to be another Vader. And so he is trying to keep him there uh, as long as he can. Uh, I think yeah. the next season he was going to let him go. I really do. I really feel like that, like he was going to let him go and go do his thing. He's an adult now. Go forth and try not to have incest. Um, but I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't know that he's discouraged that. Well, I, I don't know what they do on Tatooine. I don't know what. Look, it's a lonely. I don't know what moisture farming really farm. means. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, I don't think he was a taskmaster. I think he was afraid for Luke as any father would be. Well, and and for all and, intents and purposes, he was a father and he did well, that, not he want saw to what, see him do that. He saw what his dad did. He killed sand people. Right? I oh, mean, yeah. I like mean, he, he saw knows, him just straight up fucking murder a whole tribe. Yeah, he, he knows exactly what what that lineage is. And, 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 I'm, and, and I'm sure Obi-Wan said, hey, look, this is where we're sitting. You need to help me out here type of deal, you know, when he passed. No, home. I don't think so. Because it sounded like from when Obi-Wan met uh, Luke, he was all, here's your lightsaber that you fucking dad wants you to have but your uncle won't let me give it to you you ain't around he's getting fucking fried right now so here take the lightsaber and try not to look down the barrel well that's because he was older and he didn't give a fuck at that point in time but that's what i'm saying like yeah. it feels like but i'm thinking one wanted to be and i think this will get fleshed out i really do this will get fleshed out with the uh kenobi series uh, yeah, i, I really so. feel like he was trying to have more of an influence in Luke's life, and Owen was just like, "Go fuck yourself." Like, I, like train him on the on the yeah demo. on the on the DL. I think that's why yeah. he was there is to to get him ready to be uh, the hope of the galaxy to to free the galaxy from this oppression that is that maybe his dad to be and the, the emperor have. have uh, that's why he's the new hope. There you go. Tie in to the title of the movie. Well, not really. What do you mean, not really? Well, not originally. Well, yeah, okay, look, again, Lucas in his own head, what the fuck do you want from me, man? We've discussed this. Why do you keep bringing shit up? Knowing that I'm going to get pissed off, I'm going to start calling out Freddie Prince Jr. for a fucking wrestling match. Oh, no. Let's get in the square no, circle, baby. I'd, Let's go. I'd pay it's a wrestling match. No, it's a wrestling mud. match. <laughs> would pay. Mud and Speedos, maybe? Yeah. No, no, it's going to be lube. It's going to be a tub of KY jelly, a whole pool full of it, and they're just going to go at it. I like it when there's a little bit to the imagination. Jonesy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we're going to see this in the Kenobi series without question. There's there's a lot of loaded conversation within the the looks and the uncomfortableness. There's always there's something that's happened that has made Owen so wary of Obi Wan in particular, and I, it's one of the things that I hope they don't belabor it in the in the Kenobi series. But it would be interesting to see one or two really key moments where they highlight what well, just what went wrong and why does oh why is he such a grouch when it comes to obi-wan and kenobi in particular and i don't i just i disagree i don't think he had any intention of letting luke go i think he at that point he became pretty self-centered in that you he needs him there and this should be his life he should be happy to have this life and nothing beyond that i firmly believe that's where owen was i don't think he had any intention of ever letting luke go or at least helping him get anywhere else besides you know Maybe with uh, 
Who is the oh Cammy? Yeah, good old Cammy. <laughs> I think that's I think that's pretty short sighted. Uh, he he's going to die at some point. Owen knows that he's going to die. His life is finite. Lucas? Owen, you douche nozzle. Uh, and so once he dies, Luke is free to go do whatever. And so I don't think he's going to hold him any longer than he needs to. He's he's really putting this off, hoping that Ben dies, uh, knowing that Ben is now old and decrepit and and going to at any moment now, possibly even during a lightsaber battle, just fade away into the ether. He's just trying to wait for that to happen in order to let Luke uh, move on and and become the man that Luke was destined to be, Sans Force. Uh, but yeah, what would Owen know of that? What would Owen know of what he could be without the Force? Well, once again, the only thing I that Owen's ever Kenobi's known. Gonna, I think that's what Kenobi's going to flesh out. I think Kenobi's going to flesh out that Owen wants him to fucking take over the farm. Or yeah, Owen wants exactly. him to, to, to do whatever after he's gone that's not uh, that has nothing to do with the Jedi. So, yeah, no, everyone's got to go sow their wild oats, and you're not going to do it on that fucking backwater planet. No, he, you just said that that's what Owen wanted him to do. Take over the farm. Live the legacy but he knows that he, he doesn't that he want left. to. Yeah, from a kid, that's what he wanted him to do. But he knew that, that Luke's growing up, and everybody goes through those growing pains. But he's still like, trying I, to convince I, I've known the entire that, time to do it. But he doesn't want to, and he knows that. And he even tells, he tells Baru, he's like, next season. He can go next season, I promise. He's lying to her, to too. I don't think so. <laughs> yep, he is. Done. Liars. <laughs> All right, Crowley. Is this movie more sci-fi than 11-22-63? God, let me think. So James Franco's not in this movie. Thank God. Jesus, fuck. Uh, there's, there's not a closet that goes, uh, to fucking the past for some reason. Although if there was, maybe we could go in the past and rewrite the prequels. Time travels a bitch. Uh, so let's see. There's spaceships though. There's a laser sword. Uh, there's lots of sand and there's, uh, there, there's, there's some, some lasers. Uh, none of that was in 11, 22, 63. So episode four, uh, a new hope, more sci-fi than 11, 22, 63. There you go. All right. Anybody uh, have any final thoughts before we hit awards? Can we talk about John Williams this time since you didn't want to talk about him last time? Sure. Let's go for it. Because I think this is one of the movies where you, if you were to play this music, it has left such an impression on all of us, partially because we've seen it a bazillion times, but you can actually picture the scene in your head as the music plays. That's how iconic the score is. And I'm one of the people who, I think there's a lot of people that are this way. This music is as much this movie as any other movie combination of a score in, in cinematic history. There are, there are a number of films that have that same combination, but I think when you look at this one in totality and practically every scene and the emotion of, of many of the theme songs that we get and the, the light motif that they bring throughout the whole thing, it's just one of these seamless type of, uh, invent of I don't know what the right word is, but it just goes together so perfectly. And you, you can't separate the two. If you were to pull the, the music out of this or the effects out of this, it just, it, it loses everything so quickly. And uh, it's really, I mean, John Williams was already established before this, but man, this really rocketed him off into a completely different stratosphere, different, different level altogether. But this is, uh, this is probably my 
this is probably tied for my favorite score. The throne room scene at the very end is one of my favorite pieces of music in the Star Wars saga period in particular. But between this and, and Empire, it's really difficult for me to tell which, which score I prefer because there's just so many epic moments in it that you can just visualize the exact scene and, and kind of relive it every time. Yeah, he's he's done an amazing job. And, and not only the Star Wars series, but other movies that he's written for. Uh, Indiana Jones, the Superman movies. Um, I mean, his his resume is is stacked. So you, you, you hear John Williams music, you know exactly where that that music came from, what movie uh, that music is is referring to. And uh, probably if uh, you're familiar enough with the movie, what scene uh, that that music is playing from. So I, I totally agree with you there. It's one of those things where you it's almost every if you were listening to the score from start to finish. There's not a dull moment. There's not a bad moment in that entire score. Whereas even if you pick up a Indiana Jones or a Superman, there are these kind of lower moments that are more normal feeling. Very little of that exists in this score. It's actually a really pretty tight score. And it, it's, I think, I mean, that's probably due to the budget and all the other things they had going on too. But it's, it's a very tight score that really aligns with the, what you see on screen really well. Yep. Rob? Uh, like final thought? Yep. Um, why was R2D2 never wiped? Uh, that's a good you don't question. wipe awesome, Rob. Apparently, apparently, but you would think that you know, okay, he sees he sees Obi Wan or something like that. Um, you would think he'd be like, hey, I know that dude, and C3PO would like say, uh, he says he knows you or something like that. You never get any of that kind of shit. What gives? That's a chew on it. That's a really we don't need question. to answer that. Rob, start your own Star Wars podcast. Figure it out. Fuck buddy. that shit. <laughs> no. Crowley? No. I, I'd just be happy if Rod, Rob could show up to this podcast. What the hell are you talking about? I'm here. No, I'm, yeah, okay. Maybe oh, Sam. You just mean in general? Maybe, I yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, see, yeah. see, you don't know what happens when it's just me and, and Jason and James. Um, I'm quite smart during that's those not podcasts. what James has told me. That is yeah, not what he knows. Don't know. listen to what he says. Okay. I mean, what is what does he know? He's well, he knows where Christina cr- Hendricks is. That, oh, you know, and I did hear that he is having to do uh, house cleaning for him, right? Or yeah, for her, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. She was caught doing house cleaning. It wasn't her. It was James. He told me so. Gotcha. They do look a lot alike. Christina Hendricks and James. That's yeah. the only way that the uh, restraining order doesn't get put in place. Same hairline. <laughs> Same hairline. All right. Who's got awards? Jonesy, who's got your black lung? Black lung. I'm going to have to give it to R2-D2 for taking a shot in the face from a Jawa. That's He's a- got Dura-Steel lungs, but it counts. <laughs> okay, Rob? Um, um, Uncle Owen... <laughs> but not Amperu. No, Amperu gets mine. <laughs> yeah, see, Crowley, and Crowley. I, Crowley and I. Uh, you guys uh, are a cute couple. Yeah. yeah, they really are. So yeah. Amperu gets Crowley's. I was going to give mine to Uncle Owen and Amperu both. Yeah, oh, I think uh, I think they are clearly the the black lung award Do winners. Do they even have lungs anymore? Well, no, they're black. What they're what black. what's left is yeah. definitely they're black, black yeah. through and through. Yes, well done. All right, Jonesy, who's got your uh, Head Lush Award? Head Lush? I'm going to have to give it to Han Solo in the Death Star when he starts charging after the troopers because that dude's an idiot. 
and he had to have been drunk off his ass. But it worked and of course, for a the little special bit. Edition, then he yeah, it worked for a little bit until you got the special edition that came in and trolled Han Solo and said, hey, there's not three stormtroopers. There are now like 50. You're welcome. <laughs> right. X's and O's, GL. <laughs> uh, Crowley? Uh, Luke Skywalker gets mine for uh, pulling on the, uh, the, the tunic of the bartender at Mos Eisley and saying, hey, give me one of those warm alien beers. Rob? Uh, same C's. We're like, we're like in sync. Luke it's like our, at, it, it's like our cycles have, have, have synced up, Rob. They, they have, they have. Well, you know, you hang around long enough and, and we're, we're bound to, bound to sync up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I said Luke at Mose Isley. I, I figured he was just trying to, uh, channel his inner, um, uh, Obi-Wan. Was that you, Jason, in the background, mumbling? Yo. Yes. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, so mine's actually going to go to Obi-Wan for the Mos Eisley bar scene because he was reliving the glory days of his... Yeah, but he didn't have a drink before he chopped the arm off. He just straight up did it. He's an old man. How many people lose arms in this fucking movie series? If you're seriously? with Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan the Jedi way. two or three. Yeah. <laughs> that and falling off platforms. Yes, it's the Jedi <laughs> way. You chop off arms... Yeah. You fall off platforms, you lose your lightsaber, and you have your ass handed to you. That's, there you go. That's the four tenets of Jedi all, fighting. All it takes to be a Jedi. Yep. You could have given us that little dude in the, the cantina, too, that's like, wee, 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 when, when he's trying to get his drink. It's like he's like a baby for its bottle. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. How did, how did that <laughs> go? You don't got a problem. Wee, wee, wee. Okay, good. <laughs> Whatever it is. Wanted to make sure right. I got that yep. right. You got that good and clean, didn't you? Did. I got a good sample, right? Mm. Sweet. All right. Um... Jonesy, who's got your player award? Right. So in Moss Eisley, right outside the, the cantina, there's a Jawa when they pull up that's like trying to make sweet, sweet love to Luke's Landspeeder. Something gives that Jawa. <laughs> yeah. He did, man. He was making googly eyes at it. He was. Glowing googly eyes, but googly eyes nonetheless. Rob? Um, my player is going to go to uh, uh, Princess Leia. Uh, specifically when uh, Luke comes in to save her, you know, because she was she was kind of in that like come hither uh, uh, lounging position there, uh, taking a nap, showing her. You mean ass being asleep? Shut up! She had her ass turned up towards the camera. She was trying to get some. She was here. trying. She was trying to seduce herself away from uh, Darth Vader. Right? She'd never oh, seen wow. a short stormtrooper before. What's wrong with it that? Is, it yeah. is. I think Rob. She might never he took again. off. He took off that helmet, and she was smitten can't right then and there. Really it was like, can't. I feel so comfortable around you. Oh, all right, Crowley. <laughs> now what? I'm sorry. I'm really trying to just block out everything that Rob said. I'm trying to put it in the same lockbox. That I put the prequels in, but that's buried and shit on and then reburied with more shit on top of it. Uh, the player award for me, I'm going to have to give it to Han Solo. Okay. Just because he's Han fucking Solo. He is Han Solo. He was putting the moves on Leia, and that's why he's getting my player award as well. Uh, he's He has that roguish charm, and uh, he, he was already— And he's not scruffy looking at all. Uh, he's, he he's a little scruffy. I guess we'll have to wait for episode five to find out. We don't see how much fur is on all the seats in the Falcon, I guess, from Chewie to see if it's really that much of a problem. Maybe he's getting some all over him, too. Maybe, Maybe 
maybe he shaves parts of Chewie, puts them on his face so he can see what Obi, like, this is what Obi-Wan looked like in episode two. <laughs> what the hell? God. Maybe that's what they're doing in the back. That's, that's why they don't get along so well back there in the training department. You know, Obi-Wan's like, my beard's pretty rocking now because I'm a Sir Alec Guinness. And he's like, I remember you back when you were episode two, Obi-Wan. And that shit show of a beard you had looked like a bunch of Chewie's pubic hairs. Let me show you. Starts shaving it up. Uh, that is... Which ties into Solo when they were taking a shower together. That's what they did. That is a strangely specific fantasy you have there, Jonesy. Well, who's got your purple hippo? Well, I'm going to have to give this... This is like twofold. You can give it to Leia now and you can give it to her five years from now in Return of the Jedi when she gets all shot up with some drugs from Daddy Dearest and interrogated. So you know that she got some pretty trippy shit. And then, yeah, total mind fuck when you get to Return of the Jedi. And she's like, what? That was my dad? Why don't you love me, daddy? <laughs> Crowley? Just, just she's me. already gotten loving from Luke. I got Jesus Luke Christ. loving, daddy. Can I give it to you this went- whole episode? This, this, hep- this episode <laughs> of Sadist gets my fucking Purple Hippo Award. Perfect. Rob? Sounds like a good uh, time. Stormtroopers, these aren't the droids you're looking for. Uh, there was some mind-bending shit going on inside their head. Yeah, pretty much. It was just minded. one. It was just one. He wasn't fucking doing the Jedi mind track to all four of them or seven the of them, whichever of them, fucking version you're watching. But no, the rest it, of them didn't. Didn't. Uh, that's because they're not the no, fucking commander. Robot you chicken. ever been in the military? No. You got a robot chicken that shit because the other we guy don't across watch is ancillary like, material. I don't. Oh my god, you guys live in a cave <laughs> in that box with the prequels that's been shit on and doubled over dirt, whatever Crowley's yard. <laughs> Because in Robot Chicken, they did this. He's like, what are you talking about? Those are the droids we're looking for. Yeah, I mean, the rest of them didn't say anything. So I figured Practic- they all got equally um, practically no, canon. No, they didn't. Nuts. No, they I didn't realize this was a canon-only uh, show. This is why you get the fucking Purple Hippo Award. This whole episode, no, Purple this Hippo isn't, Award. This isn't, this isn't a canon-only show. It's just we don't have enough time to watch all the other shit. That's what it is. So my Purple Hippo is going to go to Luke for hearing Obi-Wan in his head after he saw Obi-Wan die. This is uh, the beginning of Luke's psychosis where he starts hearing and seeing things that aren't really there. <laughs> so, yeah, do you Just think- like we didn't see Hayden Christensen return the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think anybody else ever sees him? Because nobody else is ever around. That's true. That's true. It's only him that ever sees the Force ghosts. That's you know what? True. Nobody ever sees Batman when, when Luke's around. Is Luke Batman? He might be. You can make a you can make a case for that. No, I just did. Uh, Luke. Luke is the Joker. Fuck it. Jeez, come on. <laughs> All right, Jonesy. Everybody well, knows that. Thank you so very much for classing up the joint and coming on the show. Why don't you tell everybody uh, what you do so much better than what we do and where we can find that podcast? We podcast better than this. <laughs> well, yeah. First, thanks for having me on. It's been a lot of fun, and especially for you know trying to do this a second time. So that that took a lot of courage. But yeah, I'm over on the Cantita cast, Albert Penny and I do, a, a, we like to think it's thought-provoking, and we just talk everything Star Wars, usually in-depth character analysis, scenes, things like that, rather than just kind of typical reviews and, and higher-level stuff. But every once in a while, we've got some good ideas that come out, like when we talk about the Force and, and things like that. But yeah, you can check us over at yourglomedia.com slash cc for the Cantina cast. Well, thanks again for Jonesy. That's our show for this week. Our intro and outro music is Welcome Home by Cambo. Podcrawl's music is Snack Mix by Machette. 
If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. You can leave us feedback on our Discord channel at eargluemedia.com forward slash Discord. On Twitter at status underscore podcast, or you can email us at smoking and drinking in space at outlook.com. If you'd like to throw a few nickels our way, you can become a Patreon supporter by going to eargluemedia.com forward slash status Patreon. And be sure to check out all of the other excellent podcasts at eargluemedia.com. As always, this goes without saying, but the poorly thought out and sometimes questionable opinions expressed on this show are ours and Jonesy's in this case. It might not be shared by Earglue Media or anyone for else, uh, anyone else for that matter. For this week, I'm Jason. Why the fuck do you take 30 minutes to orbit a planet when you can fly through space? Come in, just zap, up? get out. At least it's not the prequels. And <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you next week.